perseverance. Like that's really the only thing. There's, um, I mean, if you talk to entrepreneurs, they'll tell you that the only way that they succeeded was to basically that they just didn't give up. They, we all go through ups and downs, and it's the downs that really make um, make you successful. You learn from them, you build from them, and you you just get stronger and you know what to do, um, and and it just kind of propels you and the company. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Super excited to be with you, Sean and Lacey here, just as we are each and every week diving into topics that are very relevant for all of you who are working on your business, attempting to expand and grow your business, trying to reach even more people, make an even bigger impact, and of course, to create the lifestyle that you deserve. And we are very blessed to have with us today, Anthony Miller goes by Tony. Tony. But I, I, I always like to say like from the jump, if you're looking for him online, you're gonna find him um, more by Anthony than Tony. Mm, mm -hmm. um, if you're having a drink with him, I guess you would- Probably call him Tony. Probably call him Tony. <laughs> and he is an absolute expert. I'm excited to um, learn about this whole, his, his business and what he does and how we can apply this to all of us that are trying to, improve our businesses, trying to reach even more people um, and get our, not only our message out there, but our services out there and do it in a way that's seamless, that's effortless, that's elegant, that's easy to use. And I'm wondering how all of that influences our prospects and what it causes them to think about us and um, how those elements contribute to higher conversions, more sales, and more revenue. So let's bring Tony Miller in from Miller Media 7. Tony, welcome to the None of Your Business podcast. Thanks for having me. So we always begin with this one question, and then who knows where it goes from here. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and this is actually going to be very interesting for all of our viewers and listeners because they may not understand um, in depth, but I hope that by the time we get done, they have a very full understanding of what you guys do over at Miller Media 7 and um, how you end up here. So, you know, I always say that when you're listening to a podcast, you come to know somebody, you're like, well, of course, for Tony, it was a piece of cake because he probably, his father probably worked in the industry, <laughs> just handed him over, um, you know, the keys to the kingdom and off he went. And of course, that's why he's here on the podcast. And what we know is that's very, rarely, if ever, the case. Tell us about your journey. How did you end up being so successful in this particular line of work? Um, perseverance. Like, that's really the only thing. There's... Um, I mean, if you talk to entrepreneurs, they'll tell you that the only way that they succeeded was to basically that they just didn't give up. They, We all go through ups and downs, and it's the downs that really make, um, make you successful. You learn from them, you build from them, and you, you just get stronger and you know what to do. Um, and, 
and it just kind of propels you and the company. So like for us, um, I actually started the company um, more, like I started really consulting first for um, in the PR space. Like it was actually a PR company. I just happened to have a lot of um, connections down in New York City. I had knew a lot of producers and um, I knew a lot of people in the dailies down there uh, doing, um, doing print and, and online. So I positioned a few brands in there uh, for about eight months. Um, and I, it, I really just didn't like it. It was just like, it was so transactional and, um, you know, whatever like was the flavor of the month got the most sort of like eyeballs. Um, and I just kind of felt like it was kind of fake. So I always um, had like interest in technology. I had a little bit of a technology background, design background. Um, so I just kind of like poured the rest of my time, like building that, building processes that worked, finding team members um, to work that would work with us um, and eventually become great employees. And um, yeah, that's pretty much like how we got through there. Like there's definitely a lot of growing pains, but uh, kept with it. And um, here we are today. I think that's always, and I love that you talk about that, the perseverance, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, because I think so many people, no matter what industry they're in, if they're running a, a business on their own, they go through all of those things. Those yeah. growing pains are definitely like the hardest. And I, you know, I, there's a lot of entrepreneurs we talk to at some point in their career. They're like, man, I want, I could just stop this today. I could just quit. Like what yeah. for you? I'm, I'm sure you had those moments cause you just laughed yeah. about it, but like, did you have those moments and what for you oh, yeah. was the reason that you kept playing? I wanted to architect my life basically. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to say, okay, here, here's how I want to spend my time. I don't want to spend my time commuting to a job. I don't want to spend my time away. Uh, we're a remote first company. I founded the company that way. So everyone has kind of dominion over their their lives uh, a lot more. And that's really why I wanted to do it because I didn't want, I wanted to be there um, for my kids, for example, um, if they had like a basketball game or, or dance or whatever it may be. I wanted to be able to take that time to uh, spend time with them. And to learn other things, I feel like when people are in corporate jobs, for example, they're so focused on that one thing that they miss learning just so much about the world. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm often a very curious person. So I wanted to be really well read on um, on a bunch of different sort of topics. Um, and owning an agency actually forces you to learn that too. So you, um, we have clients from all around the globe in various industries. We're pretty agnostic with our client base and that keeps things interesting. It, it keeps employees interested in the, in the work as well. Um, so yeah. So tell us to fill in everybody who's wondering then what exactly is your company? Tell us about Miller Media, yeah. um, what what you. you guys do, and, and <laughs> tell us all about yeah. it. Yeah, so I like to describe us as an experience design, uh, product development, and growth marketing uh, agency. So those three buckets are where we excel in services. Uh, we typically work with enterprise clients and brands. 
Um, but we also kind of work with a few, like a few high growth startups every year. We'll take two or three on uh, to help them. I also mentor for a, um, uh, a VC in the upstate New York area. Uh, so I do uh, talk to their portfolio companies often. And I also do help uh, with DealFly. I work with about six other VCs and help some startups get in there uh, for fundraising. So depending on what sort of, uh, there's, you know, there's all sorts of different sort of criteria that go into that. So um, most of these VCs I work with have their own charter. Uh, basically what that means is like, um, like one only invests in female founders or one only invests in um, companies in New York State or one only invests in uh, B2B SaaS. So I kind of like, so basically whatever founders I'm talking to that maybe are looking to raise uh, Series A, um, I can kind of steer them to the right VCs. I love that. One of the things I, I loved on your website is um, you said that you're a particle beam splitter, dragon hunter, and all around nice guy. So super, <laughs> super. I loved yes. it. It made me laugh. Um, yeah. But I thought it, I was thinking, gosh, that's so creative. And then I was just reading about you and it talks a lot about your ability to constantly innovate. And I'm always fascinated with people that are on this this drive, this road to in, continually innovate um, the things that they're doing. So tell us a little bit for you, maybe like what are your secrets to innovation? Like what allows you to be able to stay in that space and be the head of your business and continually grow and innovate in your company? I mean, innovation to us really means like problem solving. So when a client has a, uh, has a problem, like can we find a way with technology to fix it or can we find a way with marketing to fix it? Um, that typically like gets us going and gets our ears perked up to create a, a solution that works for for them. And then maybe that's something that they own. Um, like, for example, if we create a technology product for them uh, that doesn't exist, um, it's solving a problem for them. But it's something that they could even in themselves um, turn into a business within their within their chosen vertical, if it makes sense. Um, like if you're experiencing this problem, what? I mean, there's probably other companies that are as well. So we try to uh, find ways that you can uh, solve problems with technology and also um, maybe even spin out new sort of um, startups within your own larger company that maybe you never thought that you could before. Uh, we're, we're kind of the team that will help do that for you. Um, right now we're working on a really interesting uh, joint venture actually in the, uh, the kind of like, in the music space. Um, it's super interesting. Uh, I have a few friends that are neuroscientists. They came up with the the really like engine uh, that drives this product, but it's basically for uh, musicians and also for um, record labels to help artists create more music using uh, this really interesting algorithm that they have. Um, it's called, um, I, I don't think I can release the name, but I'll maybe, maybe for another episode, I'll let you know. Um, but essentially, it will, it will help uh, artists create more music, um, which is a huge problem in the um, in the in the record label industry. Getting that sort of productivity out of all your all your artists. So um, there's just there's innovation all around us. There are opportunities all around us, and uh, you just have to ask. Sometimes just ask the right question. Hmm. So, in your experience, because obviously just hearing you answer this is something that comes supernatural to you. 
um, you're like, ah, it's just innovations everywhere. What do you say to people who have a hard time with that? I know a yeah. lot of people, you know, we like to pigeonhole like by age or stuck in their ways, but it's yeah. also just, just in general, there's younger people that, that have a hard time. They, 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 our minds can only think in one way. And then they meet someone like you and they're like, oh my gosh, Tony, you're just, you you you're going too fast. You're saying too much. Um, <laughs> How do you help to bridge that? Because the inability to get there is honestly something that can paralyze the growth of a company. Yeah, I think you need to start really small. So, um, you know, a lot of these companies that, um, you know, like the Facebook, the Googles of the world or Meta, um, they, you know, they started with solving like a very small problem. Um, so I think like when you talk to young kids and they have a small problem to solve, Obviously, solving that one problem doesn't make a business or an organization, but uh, it can lead you down the path to creating a suite of products that maybe um, are, you know, tertiary to each side of, the, of, that, of that problem uh, and maybe can build something within, um, within that industry. So, I, you know, start small, start with a proof of concept. Um, and try to solve that one problem and then continue talking to your stakeholders uh, that, are, you know, this problem uh, is being solved for and um, dig a little further. Maybe you'll find more more problems that you can kind of create a suite of products around. One, one more to piggyback on that, because you mentioned earlier that you work with a lot of these companies that are um, not that that's the primary business. I, I did catch that you kind of that you do that sort of out of the goodness of your heart, the benevolent side of you, um, with yeah. with some of these emerging companies, matching them up with 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 private equity or VC money. Um, what in your experience have you seen are some of the the biggest obstacles that these you know, startups face? Um, and especially because you kind of see it from both sides when you when you're going to VCs, what are some of the things that they're like, hey, Tony, like this company is lacking in this area, this area what are some common pitfalls that you that you've seen? I see some companies are solving a problem for a, a market size that's too small. So most uh, most VCs like to see, OK, what's the sizable? What's the addressable market for this problem? Um, I've heard that like 300 billion would typically be like, um, you know, the ground level and then up through there. So people are solving problems for an addressable market. That's like $10 million. You are not going to get invested in. Um, it's just, it's too risky and it's, um, it's just not that interesting enough. So, uh, make sure you're tackling problems for, for large addressable markets. Um, $300 billion seems like a pretty, you can find lots of, lots of opportunities for, for that addressable market. So we kind of talked through that. I also talked to founders. Um, you know, if you're a solo founder, it's going to be a lot harder for your raise. Um, VCs like to see that you have a team behind you, a team of founders, people that believe in this, who have like left their, their corporate jobs or are willing to leave their corporate jobs and, um, and work on this problem for the next 18 months. So, uh, single founders, it's going to be a lot harder for you to raise money. As of late, like um, everyone's nervous about what the economy is going to do in the next eighteen to twenty-four months. So um, VCs are 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 you know they're kind of like not spending as much. So um, they're they're trying to be wiser with their dollars now. 
So um, I'd say, you know, make sure that addressable market is large. Make sure that you have um, stakeholders or, or customers that are already piloting your product and are, are willing to, to to spend money on this um, would be probably my like three things I would I would tell early founders. So really interesting, just listening to you and learning about you. It looks like that you have uh, done a lot of amazing things in your career and continue to do so. Um, and one of the things that impressed Tristan, who was on our team when he first met you, was just your um, openness and willingness to connect him with other people. Yeah. I imagine throughout your career, a lot of what you've been able to accomplish was also based on your ability to connect with people and yeah. really work on building relationships. Can you tell us a little bit about that and any tips you would have on somebody that's just getting started and doesn't have the relationships built? Yeah, network is super important. It's something that I've curated over the last 10, 12 years. Um, so yeah, there's no there's no time like the present to start curating your network. Um, you're, a lot of people say your network is your net worth. So um, make sure that you're talking to the right people. Uh, I can't tell you how many times early on I took meetings with people that just weren't weren't right for me to be wasting time on. So make sure you're talking to the people that can make an impact, can make it quickly, um, and, and keep on curating those relationships. Uh, I remember like when I was a kid, um, I, I had the same sort of notion, like um, I guess yearbooks were a thing. I don't know if yearbooks are a thing anymore in like middle school or high school, but I wanted to get everyone's signature. And I wanted to, um, you know, ha have something for the history books really. Um, so curating your, your network early is, is, is important and, uh, just get out and talk to people. It's, 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 it's easy to do. And, um, I, you know, you, you'll get over the, the anxiety, the more you do it. So one of the I things say I say before oh. you go, I love the, the yearbook reference. I actually yeah. don't know if they have yearbooks anymore, I but don't know either. I remember going out there and working so hard to make sure everybody in my class signed my yearbook. You didn't yeah. you do that? Yeah. I think they have yearbooks. That's, that's, that's like, that's the original networking. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> <do> networking. <laughs> That's good. So uh, this is another one of those, Tony. You're like, oh yeah, just go out there and talk to people. Here's a here's a, 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 a an exact question that I get a lot. Um, so someone like yourself, and I would imagine hearing your background that a lot of this, the 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 natural ability of this is not just like inborn in you, but you know from your previous time in in the city, PR. You know that's a lot of who you know, meeting people, etc. Sure. And so you you've acquired that skill. As people are working on, because people are really beginning to understand and appreciate the value of relationship capital, one of the things that people say there's well, there's two main two main issues that they have. Number one, let's say somebody's meeting you, um, you you're you're a very nice guy, approachable. They they but they know who you are, so they're like, yeah, I'm not just gonna like you know come and be like, hey Tony, can you help me? Um, so no, number one, people are like, well, how do I how do I approach someone like Tony? Number two. Um, you are very nice, as are a lot of people who have found success. And you may at some point say, as I'm sure you do, like, well, John, well, how can I help you? And a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know what to say. Um, when somebody says that, like, I don't like, what should I, what should I ask? How do I do that? So those two things, how do I approach someone that I, you know, I know who they are and I know how important they would be for me as a relationship. And two, yeah. how, I, how do I go about answering the question when somebody directly asks me how they can help me? Well, I think like 
most people are there to help. Like most people want to help. Um, and I don't think a lot of people know that. They think that everyone's playing it close to the vest. They're trying to, you know, succeed for themselves and it's all about them. But most people really like helping others. Um, so I would say, you know, approach a, a mentorship group or something like that. I, I'm in one. I'm in a design mentorship group called ADP List. Um, there's there's many people that will take two, three hours out of the week and, and, and talk to someone that's developing their career or someone that's looking to maybe transition to a, a different career. And maybe that you have some like distinct knowledge in that. Um, so I, I feel like for questions, like you just want to keep it kind of open-ended. If you have something specific that you want to talk about, um, you know, people are busy. So maybe throw those questions ahead of time so that person has some time to think about it before hopping on a, a Zoom call or something with you. But um, my, you know, my experience, most people are there to help. They want to help. Um, it's just about finding the time to get together. Sometimes um, people will, you know, like miss a scheduled meeting or something like that. And you'll think, oh, they probably don't really want to talk to me. It's just that, you know, people are busy. They will make the time. Just be persistent. So I'm just going to take us totally off track here because mm -hmm. what I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about something you said earlier on when you're telling your story about how when you were building your business, you were really looking for individuals that would eventually become a great employees and a great part of the team. Yeah. When, when you were getting started, like I think a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, they struggle so much with hiring the right people to yeah. get them to where they're trying to go. So tell me a little bit about your philosophy on hiring and team building and how that helped accelerate your business. Yeah, I feel like you need to hit some sort of revenue mark before you start thinking about hiring employees. And my philosophy has been, um, you know, typically like once you've hit 100 or 150k uh in annual revenue then you can kind of think about hiring employees people might be like oh gee i don't want to do the books right now like i don't know that's still a little risky that's fine you can always do freelance to full-time and we've done that for some of our team members where we find someone that we like um, but we we're not sure we have enough work for them so we've started a freelance um sort of relationship and maybe that goes on for six months or a year, and then we hire them as full full time employees. There are also freelancers that we have on our team that just want to stay freelancers. They like that sort of um, that that deal. They're they're fine just coming and going and doing the work as it comes in. Um, and and those are and they and they'll stick with you for for a number of years. So I, I know a lot of like startup founders are like they always point to their head count as their success count. And I, you know, whatever, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But if you're, if you're creating product, like you're creating real solutions and creating value in your company, I don't think it really matters which way you get there. I love that. The, the we talk about that all the time. Yes. Yeah. It, it, you know, revenue per employee f far more important than just total, total number of employees. Yes. Because, yes. yeah. yeah, you're so many people are like, look at my team. Look how big my team is. Well, I would rather have a smaller team that's more efficient and effective, right? Yeah. That's doing great work and pr totally. producing and has tons of output. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 100%.
you've been on on quite a roll you are in many many sectors of of business so you have um diversified your knowledge base and your your skill level tremendously um what would you what sort of advice do you have because i think that a lot of our our viewers and listeners are not in startup but they're in that middle spot and what happens in that middle you know that that little part where you hit that plateau some yeah. decisions that have to be made, right? Because we, we've we've gotten out of that difficult element, but then there's like you know, hey, to go to that next level, I have to make some decisions. What what have you noticed are some of the pivotal decisions that need to be made if you're going to go from like, okay, I'm doing okay to I'm doing great, um, and what are some of the sacrifices that people have to make? Because I think that those are the the sacrifices are the, the part, hard part, the hard part, because they're like, but I'm doing okay. So I'm not really trying to go back to right, when I was right. making all of these sacrifices. What, what great advice do you have for people that will take them totally to that next level? Well, this may sound unpopular with some people, but I think you really need to talk to your employees, right? You want to make sure that everyone, like, you can't just keep that like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm checking a box here by hiring Susan or whoever. You need to talk to your employees. And I think like as a business owner or a leadership group, you should do it very like casually. Uh, it shouldn't have to be a, you know, come into my office at four o'clock. Just be, talk to your employees, make sure that they're happy in their role, make sure that they're, um, you know, excelling in their role. Some people don't, some people when they get in a role, um, think it's great, but then things shift. Work comes off someone's plate and has moved to someone else's, and they want to know where, where are they going with this job. So keep on talking to your employees, making them happy. Um, really, your employees make your business. So if you, I've I've always shied away from the whole like, you know, <laughs> you you're you're at the this you know top of the pinnacle and everyone else is below. I never like I never understood that in org chart sort of like thing, but like your employees make your business. So you need to keep on talking to them and making making sure that they're happy. Um I've I've often heard that like once you hit uh employee number 50, a company changes dramatically. Any any employee past 50 uh is a whole new new level. You're gonna need lots more systems for departments. You're gonna have to make sure um that you know people are efficient in like their own sort of like departments. And that's a whole new level of understanding. You're gonna have to get a chief of staff if, if you don't already have one. Um, there's gonna have to be some some growing pains of, you know, HR. And, yeah. yeah, like all that sort of like boring stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you're gonna have to do it. So I, I've, I've, I've talked to many people that like, they all say, Hey, when we hit employee fifty, we're no longer like this scrappy bunch anymore. We're like a, we're like a real company, you know. <laughs> I like the scrappy bunch. No, <laughs> we like under fifty. We like it yeah, when it's exactly. scrappy. <laughs> makes it makes for good culture, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so switching gears a little bit because you did say one of the things um, about also being of your own life is really important in your ability to continue to grow and and learn and and increase your skill set i mean earlier on you said that's so hard when you are in a nine to five job because you just learn the yeah. one thing right yeah. so tell us like i would i'm just curious at maybe who your top three mentors have been 
And then maybe top three books you've read. So for books, I've read uh, Zero to One. It's a fantastic book. Um, and that's really the only business book I can actually point to. The other has mm -hmm. been like just fiction and stuff like that. But uh, mentors, I've kind of tried to follow um, like... I like architects, which sounds kind of weird. Like we have this architect quote on our website that's basically like, don't create, re don't keep on recreating the wheel, like um, change something to, to, to fit its mold and keep on innovating and iterating on that. Uh, and that's been, that's kind of like a through, through line to our business is that um, the the product is never done. You're always going to keep on iterating on this product and improving it and changing its form to, to address new things. And that's okay. Um, but like, I, I look at, I look at a lot of like the tech CEOs that are done a great job. Um, the Salesforce CEO, he's done a great job. Um, you know, a bunch of them. I, I, I've never actually had a, a, this is kind of embarrassing, I guess. I've actually, I've never actually had like a formal mentor. Like I've always wanted one, but for whatever reason, just never kind of, you know, I, I've, I've had, you know, many lunches with people that are more senior to me and stuff like that over the years, but I've never had someone say, I, I want to be your mentor. I've kind of, huh. I don't know if this is like, makes me sound really cool, but like I did it myself. I just <laughs> learned and I didn't need anyone. And yeah, so um, I would have loved to have a mentor, but it just never, never happened. Well, that's that's awesome, and I'm sure that you are that. you are a mentor. You're probably a mentor to, to others to many now. people. Yeah. I am I hope sure. So. <laughs> and we'll 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 make some connections since you are the connection king, and and Tristan has told <laughs> us that you have made many connections. We will make some connections for you, and maybe along that way, you can find someone that will say, "I want to be your mentor." Yeah, um, I know. help me out. I can still learn be, things. <laughs> because you are a visionary, because you um, have had so much success, and you are the architect of your own life, um, where do you see yourself in five and ten years? Tell, tell us, pre predict for us how the story will continue to play out. Um, well, I've kind of like started this business as a lifestyle business, and that's fine with me. I do think about possibly selling in a few years. But uh, I think the next logical step is to start a VC fund. Um, and that's probably what I'll do with a group of investors to innovate on the on the next thing, whatever, if it's Web3 or, or, or whatever. But um, that's probably the next step is that I'll create a fund, a VC fund with um, some investors and try to create some infrastructure that works and a theme that can really tie together like what the fund is all about. I feel like there are tons of VCs, but they don't have a really good story. So if you have a really good story and brand and uh, sort of like through line that you can kind of describe to people um, and a good story, then uh, you'll be a, you'll be even more successful than you know if you just have a hundred million dollar fund. Like you need to have it needs to be. You need to do it for a reason and and have some goals behind it too. Yeah, you know, I absolutely agree with that because some people in, in startup situations, 
um, they can be dire, mm -hmm. and they you know they have a big vision or a dream, and they just need that funding in order to you know keep that flame lit. But I I have even told people before, and we get asked this quite a bit. But money is not money, so it's not it's not money's yeah. not the same. Um, and like you were saying, money that's coming from um, an organization or a person that has uh, a story that is in alignment. I think alignment is is super important because. Even if, if there's not alignment, but you had the money and you gave me the money, that lack of alignment will yeah. will, will screw up the, the yeah. project, right? For I mean, sure. But yeah. the money's there, but the alignment is in. So I, I love that idea. I think that that, that will be extremely successful. And, and you're right. You rarely see, um, usually uh, funds are touting themselves on the money. We oh, have they're always cheerleaders for themselves. It's kind of <laughs> after a while. You're just like, just sit down. We understand. You guys are great. Okay. But the, the <laughs> amount of cheerleading that goes on is just ridiculous. <laughs> but I love, I love that there's none to your story, much like the uh, quote on your website, like the product's never fully finished, right? Even if you were to sell, you're going to have multiple iterations of what you do in your business right. and yourself. So For sure. it really does go all the way through. It applies through. in many places, yes. It does. Yeah. I love that. Well, if you want to check him out, you can find him at MillerMedia7.com, millermedia 7 dot com his name's tony it says anthony it says anthony on, on the website right. if you're going to google him <laughs> type in anthony he's up to so many amazing things and here's what i here's what i imagine um if you can find a way into um into his life he's such a giver and a giving person um what a phenomenal resource uh, for anybody who who can find their way into his life You'll be tremendously blessed. Uh, Tony, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thanks for dropping so many helpful gems on everybody. I hope it helped. It was nice meeting you too. Yes, pleasure. thank you so much. Well, all right, everybody. We'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast.